This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. Rico Bronia time, a rare moment of excitement from Met fans, or at least relief from Met fans. We do not have to live in a world any longer where the Philadelphia Phillies are competing for a world championship. And that is a damn good feeling because ding dong, the Phillies are dead. And now we have a Texas Rangers, Arizona Diamondbacks World Series, which most importantly puts us one step closer to the offseason and one step closer to the Mets figuring out who their manager is and what this roster is going to look like. We'll spend a lot of time on the bullpen today, looking back at the bullpen, looking ahead at what they need to add to this pen and how they can build a bullpen as good as some of the teams that went on postseason runs. And keep that in mind, the sentence I just said, building a bullpen as good as some of the teams that have gone on postseason runs. And I say that with a laugh because the bugaboo of the Texas Rangers in 2023 during the regular season was their bullpen. The Arizona Diamondbacks, who are representing the National League in the World Series, basically built their bullpen in August. So the lesson from all of this is not that this entire podcast is going to be a giant waste of time because bullpens are impossible to build, but let it be a lesson an instruction that bullpens are, they're like place kickers in the NFL. That's the way I've always looked at it, but we'll still spend a lot of time figuring out how the Mets can build the best bullpen possible. But it is funny that the Texas Rangers made it with a crappy bullpen and the Arizona Diamondbacks made it with a makeshift bullpen. Before we get to that, though, a couple of things. Let's start with Council. The latest on Craig Council is obviously we know that the Mets have to wait out the contract, which expires on October 31st. So the Mets are less than a week away from Craig Council becoming available. And I stand by what I said a month ago, what I probably even said two or three months ago when talking about the potential hire of David Stearns. This feels inevitable. And I understand that some of my fellow Med fans have some concerns about Craig Council. We talked about it on a recent Rico where we had one emailer compare him to Art Howe. <laughs> look, you never know what a manager is going to be when they make that adjustment to New York. But when you think about all the available candidates, and most of them would be first-time guys or recycled guys, he does seem to be the safest. And I stand by the fact that this does feel inevitable. It feels as if 
the Mets are saying they're going to have a wide search and they probably will do many interviews because they have to. But at the end of the day, if Craig Council wants this job, if he wants to come to New York, he's going to be the manager of the team. And I think when it's announced, if it is announced, if I'm right, that Council will be the guy. I have this feeling, Pete, it's going to be met with a lot of shrugs. A lot of, oh, okay. Like, I don't think you're going to get raw excitement from a lot of Met fans, nor do I think you're going to get anger. I don't think it's going to cause that much anger. I don't think it's going to cause that much excitement. I think it's just going to be, oh, okay. All right, let's go. Yeah, there's not going to be like, I'm not popping champagne over a Craig Council, no offense. You know, it, it, you're right. It is what it is. I don't know if I'm going to get pissed because are there any other options out there that are better? That's the question. Well, ask yourself that. I mean, is there anybody out there that you have identified as the guy that you want to have manage this team over Craig Council? Gabe Kapler, but that's just because he looks really good. <laughs> but you don't really even you don't even really think that. You know, as much as I tried to sell everybody on Gabe about a month ago, like he was an interesting option, but you don't actually have him above Council unless you're just tired of hearing about Craig Council. No, it's. Kapler's the type of guy that something about him, he has this aura about him that I think he's going to eventually hit that stride. He's going to be one of the better managers in the league. He's a little bit offsetting at times. I mean, he's not, again, I don't know how much different a clubhouse is with him. I've heard that he's kind of hands off where he kind of takes the Buck Showalter approach. And that's not really good. You need to, I think we, I think the Mets need someone who's more active and more kind of has their imprint in the clubhouse themselves. So I don't know if Kaplan would be different, but I do something, something about him strikes a different chord that I feel like he's going to be successful in, in, the, in baseball. I like Gabe. I think he's a good baseball man. I think his third job now after overachieving for one big year with the Giants, and I don't even say overachieving or underachieving with the Phillies. They were a 500 team, but when you think about the roster that he had, and what the results were before he got there, and even after with Joe Girardi before he was replaced by Rob Thompson. I'd say he did a halfway decent job in Philly. But the one concern I have from hearing more about Gabe Kapler is his handling of the media, that that was a problem in Philadelphia. And that's Philadelphia, which is a big city, and it's a tough media, but so is New York. So you never know. Maybe he will adjust from that experience in Philadelphia. But a big part of being the manager of a New York baseball team is being like the White House spokesman. You know, you have to communicate what the front office is thinking and everything that's going on with your organization to media members, to a lot of them every single day. And by that, to then us. And sometimes your answers at the podium after a game can kind of send your tenure down a freaking bad place. It can kind of send it down a roller coaster. So if Gabe ever gets the job, and I don't think he will, I think this is Craig Council's job, he would certainly have to be a lot better in handling the media. Now let's get to the bullpen. The New York Mets bullpen in 2023 was not good. It was not. And when you look at the conclusion of this season and say, all right, who do I give an A to? Who is the Mets' best reliever? Well, David Robertson was fantastic, but that was only half a season. I mean, David Robertson kind of brought the bullpen numbers into a better place than probably where they should have been, which is kind of funny to think about because the Met bullpen was ranked towards the bottom half 
of Major League Baseball this year. And I know that ERA is not perfect. It's not a perfect science in trying to dictate how a bullpen pitched. But overall, they didn't get a lot of good seasons. In fact, I'd say Brooks Raley probably had the best season of anybody in the Met bullpen, and Brooks missed time being on the injured list. He had his struggles. So there's nobody that you could point to and say, hey, that guy had a consistently good full year. Adam Adovino, again, had his moments. I don't think he was bad, but he certainly had some kick your balls, kick yourself in the balls moments where he gave up big home runs and big hits that felt like sent this season down a downward spiral. So when you look back at what the pen was last year, it wasn't good enough. And obviously Edwin Diaz getting injured in the World Baseball Classic sent it into that bad place. And when we talk about where this season could have gone, if Edwin Diaz was healthy, this would have been a much different bullpen because all of a sudden David Robertson is not being asked to get the biggest outs of a game. He's not Mr. High Leverage. Now all of a sudden he's high leverage, but he isn't the only guy that you trust. So yeah, we envision how different this could have been if Edwin Diaz was healthy, but he wasn't. So let's start with who should be back? Who are the options to bring back? Obviously, Edwin Diaz is under contract. Edwin Diaz is returning from that brutal injury. And I think we have to have the expectation that upon Edwin Diaz's return, maybe he's not going to be the same guy he was in 2022, where he had his most dominant season as a Met. But I would venture to say, Pete, we will get closer to 22 than we get 19. That he will still be a dominant closer, even if he doesn't match the sheer magnitude of what he did in 2022. I mean, I dude, if he gets anything close to 2019, we're screwed already to start off the bullpen. But yeah, no, I, I, I think that history has proven that Edwin Diaz was never as bad as Mets fans thought he was. And I think, I mean, listen, the base is going to become the injury issue. Like, how does he rebound right. after that? That, that? But besides that, I think I'm pretty confident he's uh, he's coming back. He should be back. He's going to be the mainstay in the bullpen as not just a closer, though. Remember, he's not just a closer. He's a seventh, eighth inning guy. It depends on when they need him. You know what's funny? You look around Major League Baseball right now, that's the role of the closer. You could almost give them just a different term now, maybe the fireman, as it used to be called back in the 80s, just a guy who comes in, puts out fires, and gets the biggest outs of the game. But I now think we live in a world where, unless your name is Josh Hader, and more on him later in the podcast as a potential target, guys pitch all over the place. So what Buck was doing with Diaz in 2022 I think is just what we see now. And we've seen that throughout the postseason where you're just going to use your best reliever in the spot where you need him the most. You know, Edwin Diaz has been a Met now for four years. I'll take out 23 because he never pitched. He was great in the first half of 19 and then crumbled from basically late June on. He was really good in 2020. I know it was a shortened season, so you almost don't count it. But he did go out and pitch, and in the brief time he was out there, he was very good. And I thought in 2021 it was a mixed bag. Like, at times he looked like a dominant closer, but then at times he looked like the mediocre self he was at the end of 19. But he was acceptable in 2021. Like, if he put up those numbers over a full season, I think we'd be disappointed because the bar is set so high. But it certainly wouldn't be this unacceptable mess. But what he did in 2022, we should not forget. 
is he pitched to a 1-3-1 ERA. He had a FIP of 0.90. And FIP is fielding independent pitching, which means you're trying to base it on eliminating the defensive help he may have gotten. And that number's even lower, which shows you, because his whip was low. He was striking out 17 guys a game, which was absurd. He wasn't walking a lot of guys. He was unbelievable in 2022. And if you could get 80% of that in 2024, right off the top, the Met bullpen's a lot better. So Edwin Diaz is obviously a lock to come back because he's under contract and he's going to be on this team. The Mets have a player option on Brooks Raley. And considering he's a lefty and considering, like I said at the top of this pod, he was probably pound for pound their most consistent reliever throughout the season, even if he wasn't perfect. I think it's about six and a half million dollars. That's an option you pick up. I don't think there's any question. That's an easy, easy one. Then he's arbitration eligible for another season. And then he becomes a free agent in 2026. So you've got Brooks really signed for a pretty decent amount of time. He had some bad games, like the series against Texas in late August. He had a couple of implosions. But outside of that, I thought he was mostly good. He had a bad game against Kansas City after all the trades were made. He is a reverse split guy, so he can get righties out. He can get lefties out. He's a crossover guy. You don't have to think of him as just finding that lane of getting left-handers out. So Brooks Raley, easy lock as bullpen arm number two. We're doing the easy part first because it's about to get complicated. (laughs) It's about to get messy. Adam Adovino, and look, it's up to Adam Adovino because Adam Adovino has a player option for next year at $7.25 million. That was what he was making in 23, and he has an option to exercise that. Now, he's going to be 38 years old next year. What I'm surprised about, I have to admit, because I'm about to compliment Adovino in a weird way, he was really good in 2022. He was awesome. One of the best years of his career. Outside of that first year he had with the Yankees where he was dominant. I could have sworn that Adam Adovino was going to go the way of Aaron Loop. Aaron Loop had that great year a few years ago. The Mets decided not to pay him. They let him walk away to Anaheim. And he's never come even close to duplicating those numbers. While Adam Adovino was not nearly as good in 23 as he was in 22, as much as this may be painful to admit, he was not horrendous this past year. And I thought they would be a bigger drop-off. So even though his walks were up and his strikeouts were up and he gave up a few more home runs and his ERA was up a run and a half. So basically every metric tells you he wasn't as good. He was still decent. He was still acceptable. And I think because of that, I kind of look at next year and say, well, is he actually going to be good again? I'm actually really skeptical of Adam Adovino putting together, you know, a solid year for a third year in a row. He also had weird numbers this year. If you remember the year before, and I have to look at the exact figures to kind of prove it, he was always a big get him against right-handed hitters, don't have him face lefties kind of guy. That's the way Adam Adovino always was. In fact, In 2022, his most dominant season with the Mets, right-handers hit 161 with a 479 OPS. Lefties hit 301 with an 838 OPS. So, yeah, his splits were to the extreme. This past year, and this is a compliment to him, even though overall he didn't have as good of a year, lefties, who a year before had over 300, 
had a 217 batting average, still a pretty good OPS of 789 because they hit home runs against them. And righties were at 203, 582. So he was at least better at getting left-handers out than he was a year earlier. But overall, 38 years old, I just don't expect that Adam Adovino will even be as good as he was in 2023. With that said, it's his option. If he exercises the option, he's on the Mets. Now, they could then turn around and trade him. But I think if he exercises the option, Pete, he's on this team. I just can't rely on him as much as the Mets have over the last two years. I I do hope that he thinks that he can get more on the open market because not saying I'm upset because if you look at, okay, if you, we're going to get into the free agents in a little bit. Are there better options than Adam Adovino? That is a huge question. I'm not sure how many there are. So if for that amount of money, you you take him and you say, okay, this is someone who's going to be part of the bullpen. He's not a key piece, but he's part of it. But I'd prefer him to opt out and go other places. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. See, here's where I'm so mixed about this. I don't think he'll even be as good as he was last year. He's 38 years old. There's a decent chance he's bad. But you've got eight bullpen spots, right? Figure that's that number you're looking at. And the Mets have two guys that are locks in Edwin Diaz and Brooks Raley, and that's assuming they're healthy. After that, there are no certainties. We'll go through the entire list. There are no certainties. So if Adam Adovino says, you know what? I don't know how good the Mets are going to be. I think I can do better on the open market, even though I'm 38 years old. Let me see what's out there. Even if it's not Adam Adovino, you're going to be signing a guy like Adam Adovino to fill out one of those spots. Because again, eight spots in your bullpen. 
And I'm good with a few of them being projects, a few of them being a of this group. Let's take one or two to make the team. But you're going to want to bring in veterans that you can trust. Now, once you get past those three guys, assuming Adovino's back, here are your arbitration eligible guys. These are the guys that the Mets could elect to pay, work out a, a nice figure on a one-year deal, or guys they can say, you know what, we're not tendering your ass, please leave. Don't collect $200, just go home. Here are some of the names, and we're going to play this game this way. I'm going to say the guy's name, and Pete, without even thinking about it, is going to say, yes, offer him arbitration, get a deal done, let him at least be in the mix, or be non-tender as ass. I never want to see him again. Oh, you ready? Uh, yeah, let's do this. Drew Smith. Non-tender. <laughs> see ya! You know, I, I don't think any of us could stand Drew Smith, but Drew Smith has had good years here. In 2021, he was good. In 2022, he was okay. In 2018, when he first got called up years ago, he was good. He barely pitched in 2020. You can't even judge it. And he sucked last year. That, you know who that sounds like? You ready for this? Uh -oh. <laughs> no, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to do it. It sounds like Kevin Ginkle of the Arizona uh. Diamondbacks. No, seriously, because we're all waxing poetic about what Ginkle did in game seven against the Phillies. Look at what Kevin Ginkle did out of the bullpen his first few years. So, yeah, I. Pete, here's what's funny. My knee-jerk reaction is to agree with you, and it's easy to say, F. Drew Smith, he sucks. He gave up way too many home runs. It seems like they all came in big spots. He had a four ERA. But then you got to replace him with somebody. And he also reeks of a guy. I'll give you another name. They're pissing us all off. Paul Seawald. Paul Seawald was a Met. <laughs> and Paul Seawald ends up in Seattle. Now he's in Arizona the Mets are going to have to develop a handful of guys. Some of these relievers who are going to help the Mets next year, whether it's in the regular season or dare I say the playoffs are going to have to be the Kevin Ginkles of the world and the Paul Seawalds of the world. So as much as my first reaction is F true Smith, non-tender is ass. I don't know. I look at his resume here the last three years and I say he could be in a major league bullpen. What is his velocity like, his average velocity? Because that's the one thing, too. You look at bullpen arms, and the one thing the Mets didn't have this year, and I, I went, I said it earlier, like Edwin Diaz topped out close to 100 on his fastball. Right. And, and the Mets didn't really have anyone this year that just straight up blew people away. And that, if, if Drew Smith is not that guy, then I, 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 can't, I can't work with him. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I think Drew Smith was at around 95 miles an hour. That's where he sat, mid-90s, which these days, by the way, is not. <laughs> it's funny. We said this 15 years ago. It's the only throws 95, but in 2023, <laughs> 95 is you know sort of average. All right, let me go through some more of these names real quick. Number two, David Peterson. Oh, non-tender. <laughs> yeah, you, you're nuts, man. You got to build a roster. We just going to non-tender everybody. There's better people in the bullpen. I mean, in the minors right now. Nah, Pete Peterson's got to be on this team. The only debate is, is he in the bullpen? Do you just try to convert him, which I lean towards, or is he a swing guy? 
Joey Lucchese. I see. I I keep Lucchese. We got our first guy that Pete's going to keep. Cha-ching. Trevor Gott. We have no choice, but we got to keep him. Yeah, I think his figure, by the way, is about $3 million in that range. He's 31 years old. Remember, the Mets acquired him from Seattle where they took on the money of Chris Flexen. Uh, He was not great in the time he was here. He actually pitched okay for Seattle before his ERA got popped up high because I think it was his last two appearances in Seattle where he struggled and it brought his numbers up. I... I don't know if the Mets lean towards keeping him merely because they acquired him by spending money in the midst of 2023. So I'm on the fence about Trevor Gott. I probably want to see a little bit more from him, so I'd probably tender him a deal. Elisa Hernandez, I don't know if you could tender this guy. He didn't even pitch this past year. We almost forget he existed. $1.5 million is his number. Jeff Brigham, you want to bring him back? No, I'm not bringing him back. Jeff Brigham is the perfect... Um, he's the perfect guy that's in the minors and comes up when you need an extra arm or guys are on the IL. He's your transition quadruple A relief pitcher. That's Jeff Brigham. John Curtis, you want him back? I do like Curtis, and I feel like he got a raw deal. I don't think they used him enough. I thought he actually pitched well at times, and then they just sent him back down to AAA. Sam Coonrod. You want Sam Coonrod back? Boy, he was terrible. No, no, Rod can go. Uh, Those are the arbitration-eligible guys. Then you have a few of the other guys that passed through this past year. Phil Bickford, Reed Garrett, Grant Hartwig. They brought back Anthony Kay, who gave us a little bit of a few moments at the major league level. Bryce Montes de Oka, who missed the entire season. I think we were both pretty high on him coming into spring training. The problem is he got hurt, unfortunately. He didn't pitch. Vinny Latoli, Sean Reed Foley, Denny Reyes, and Josh Walker. Those are a bunch of the names. And I think to a lot of people listening, you're like, oh, yeah, I forgot about him. These are all the relievers that we basically saw at one point this season. If you have eight guys in your bullpen, and Adovino, Raley, and Diaz are three of those guys, I want no more, Pete, than two of those guys in the bullpen to start 2023. No more, uh, 24. No more than two. And that includes David Peterson. That even includes Tyler McGill and Joey Lucchese, starters who you could seriously think about converting to the bullpen. I still think McGill, we saw his velocity tick up in the brief time we saw him in the bullpen two years ago, even though he didn't pitch well. I'm still intrigued by Peterson and uh, McGill out of the bullpen. But no matter which two guys you want to come up with, whether it's, Anthony K or Trevor God or whoever the hell makes the team because they pitch well in spring training. I would want no more than two guys filling those roles, which gets you to five and leaves three bullpen spots open to add in free agency and trade. It's it's it seems like a heavy number because I don't th- I think that you're talking right now that already three of the guys in the bullpen or two or three of the guys in the bullpen are projects. Well, but back end of the bullpen. And I look, if Drew Smith is one of those guys, I don't think he's a project. I think he's just not a guy who's in your circle of trust. Like Drew Smith is going to have to earn getting back into that circle of trust. You've got eight guys in your bullpen. So if you disagree with me, and for the sake of this discussion, let's just say Adovino opts in, uh, and you're looking at Rayleigh, Adovino, Diaz. How many of those guys I just mentioned would you want on the roster? You're going less than that? You want one guy? 
No, I, like I'm, I'm telling you, like I, out of all the people you said, I, I would feel most comfortable with Lou Casey. Well, I don't even know if Lou Casey's the guy, but because he's probably would, a swing guy who starts. That's probably why. Right. I could. Here's the thing: is there's too many projects, so I would say give me one project. If you're gonna give me Trevor Gott, I'll go Trevor Gott. If you're gonna give me Drew Smith, give me Drew Smith. But then the rest have to go. I like Montez de Oca, but again, I don't know how he's gonna come off the injury issue. That's that's the question with him, and and that's kind of it. I mean, I think you need to fill four. That's fair. Yeah, listen, that's fair enough. So you are adding one guy from that group, probably Drew Smith. Actually, no, you you got you non tendered him. So maybe it's, maybe it's Tyler McGill is the one guy you add. I I definitely think that those guys are intriguing. Because Peterson and McGill, while we've seen them make a lot of starts over the years, I do want to see more from them out of the bullpen. We saw it briefly from David Peterson right before they made the trades. And once they made the trades, they kind of said, all right, let's just throw them in the rotation for the last two and a half months and see what you got. And I think we all agree that David Peterson or Tyler McGill being in the rotation, I don't know, man. I kind of want to move on from that. Maybe there's one spot in the rotation that you could have serve as a competition but I think we've seen enough of McGill and Peterson that finding out what they are as bullpen arms probably would be more beneficial. Well, here's the thing. With t- both McGill and Peterson, whatever we choose, whatever they, the Mets choose w- of them, if they stick with them, whether it's bullpen or r- rotation, swing guys, whatever, if they fail again, it's going to tick us off even more. I'd prefer to see them go somewhere else and be good and not be like, damn, we had that rather than them stink with us. I understand. Though we have seen a lot of guys go elsewhere and have success, and it's starting to get very, very frustrating. Paul Seawold, what? Yes, yes. <laughs> ah, there's, there's way too many. All right, let's take a look at free agency. So the top of free agency does feature one of the elite relievers in all of baseball who has a history with David Stearns, and that's Josh Hader. If we lived in a world in which there truly was no budget, where truly Steve Cohen could have a $600 million payroll and there would be no restrictions. And as much as I love the money that Steve throws around, I mean, think about what he did at the trade deadline, buying prospects for the corpse of Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander. There still is some level of financial responsibility. So before I even get into the concerns of Josh Hader as a pitcher, having to pay Josh Hader Edwin Diaz money, which is what he's going to demand. I mean, he's going to demand it. He's 29 years old, about to turn 30, so a shade older than Edwin Diaz. He's coming off a year this year in which he pitched to a 128 ERA. I mean, Josh Hader is one of the better closers in baseball. He's going to get mega closer money. So you're talking about $17, $18 million a year. I just can't see a world in which the Mets, who need starting pitching desperately, could use another bat depending on what they do trade-wise during the season. We all, I think most of us agree, they we want to see them extend Pete Alonso. So the idea that they're going to spend closer money on Josh Hader just feels completely unrealistic. And if there is some kind of budget, it does feel like it's a bad allocation of funds. Well, okay, so here's the thing. How much are we allocating towards bullpen? 
that's a question because if you're telling me that we have X amount for, for bullpen, you're going to give a, a majority of it to one of the best relievers of baseball, who, by the way, we're talking about Edward Diaz coming off an injury, doesn't just go in the ninth inning. You mix and match, as as we've talked about earlier, this and, and with starting pitching not going as deep as they normally do, to have a back end of the rotation of Diaz and Hayter, it kind of it kind of plays to this type of baseball that they're doing in 2024. It cuts the game down it by by two innings. Hey, listen, in theory, why wouldn't you want to have two of the best closers in all of baseball with one of them being a lefty and one of them being a righty? But Hayter doesn't share Diaz's flexibility. Josh Hader has been exclusively a ninth inning guy. In fact, He's only thrown one inning in the eighth inning or earlier uh, this past season. That's it. One. They did not use him in some kind of aggressive way. And a part of it is Hayter's preference to only pitch the ninth inning. And going back even before this season when he was in Milwaukee, there were only six games since 2020 in which he has pitched in the eighth inning or earlier. Six. That's it. That's the number. So, you are also talking about a guy in Hater who, for whatever reason, has not had that kind of comfort bouncing around. I'm also a little scared off about what happened last year. He imploded last year with Milwaukee and with San Diego. Like, he was not good. I mean, he was, he was atrocious. Now, he certainly bounced back this year and had a monster year. But that has a chance to be a disastrous contract. And so I just don't think it's realistic. I, look, we wake up tomorrow or we wake up in six weeks and that's the side to just pay Josh Hader and Steve Cohen is really going drunken sailor crazy. I, I, I'll have concerns, but would I be pumped up? Because yes, in theory, you've just put together two closers like Diaz and Hader. And on paper, that seems amazing. Yeah, I just don't think it's a great allocation of funds because ultimately there is a budget. There just is. Another reliever who's available who I would not touch, I would not touch this guy, is Craig Kimbrell of the Philadelphia Phillies. He has a ton of innings on his arm, a ton. He is 35 years old, and we also started to see signs of implosion with Philadelphia in the postseason. Now, we saw that in the National League Championship Series against Arizona. He was very, very, very shaky. He has clearly shown that he still has something left, because he had a good year with the Phillies this year. He pitched reasonably well with Los Angeles last year. Um, he pitched great with the Cubs and terrible with the White Sox the year before that. But then he also looked terrible in 2020 and 2019. See, he's had a lot of off and on moments as he's bounced around Major League Baseball. And at the age of 35, with 800 innings basically on his arm, which is a lot for a relief pitcher, I think that has a chance to just be a disaster. I really do. I Everything about Craig Kimbrell is also obnoxious. The way he leans over with that arm hang. I, it's a sexy name. He's had a wonderful career. Pass. I mean, the thing is, the guy likes to stay in the East. Like, he's been up and down the NL East. He's been up and down the AL East a little bit. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if he's trying to stay around this area. I don't disagree though. I'm not I'm not in on him. I think there's better arms. There's not many better arms, but there are better options free agency than Craig Kimball at this point. Yeah, name value, there's about to be a drop off. Production wise, there isn't necessarily a drop off. 
David Robertson is a guy that I think since the moments the Mets traded him away to Miami, there's always been a thought of, well, he's a free agent. We know the Marlins aren't going to bring him back, so why not sign him? He's going to be 39 years old early next year. And for whatever reason, and I'm not sure I can explain it, David Robertson was terrible after the Mets traded him. And he was so bad in Miami that he was pulled from the closers role. He pitched to a 5 ERA. He just was not good at all. I uh, put a ton of guys on base while he was there. He was walking a lot of guys. Was it the wear and tear from throwing 45 innings for the Mets over the first few months of the year? Maybe. Maybe it was. I, I don't think it was the adjustment of being traded. You know, David Robertson has now become a guy who's bounced around baseball after that long run with the Yankees and the White Sox and back to the Yankees. I mean, in the last, you know, just four years, he went from Philly to Tampa to Chicago, back to Philly to the Mets to Miami. With that said, I think if the Mets signed David Robertson, which I'm all for on a one-year deal, it would be a reasonable contract. We know he could pitch here. We know he's adaptable to any role. I think we have to view him differently than the guy who pitched as dominantly as he did first half of 2023. I think we'd have to lower the expectations on David Robertson. And you also got to keep in mind that age and the amount of innings he has on his arm. We just talked about the innings Kimbrel's thrown. David Robertson's also thrown 800 innings in his major league career. So I'm in favor of signing him, but I do it with caution. Yeah, and I, I think that he actually wanted to be here. I didn't don't think he really I actually I think we you just touched on it. He didn't, didn't really want to be traded. So I think that's part of the reason why there was that downfall going to Miami. Um I think he's a no-brainer. You can lock him up as one of the five star five relief pitchers that we had, so there's three spots remaining now. And I, th- I think that's a no-brainer. I don't think he's going to cost as much. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. One guy I want to see the Mets sign, this is one of my priorities in terms of free agents, is a guy who now all of a sudden, over the last two seasons, so it's a sample size of two years, looks like one of of the better relievers in all of Major League Baseball. He is a converted starting pitcher. He is a lefty who can get righties out, lefties out, so you've got the crossover appeal. He is Matt Moore. Matt Moore was a, I don't want to say a failed starting pitcher because he had some pretty good years with Tampa Bay, but he got hurt. He started to struggle and was finally converted into a relief pitcher with Texas just a year ago. And with Texas a year ago, he was unbelievable. He was an innings eater. He put 74 innings out of the bullpen, had a 1-9 ERA. And then this past year, he had a very weird year because he was traded at the deadline. And then I think Anaheim like got rid of him. I think is what happened. I think Anaheim traded for him. I'm trying to remember. Actually, no, he well, was no. a free agent with Anaheim. That's what it was. They signed them as a free agent. And then when the Angels were going through the fire sale, that's what I forgot. And they right. realized, wait a second, we acquired all these guys, but now we're not any good. They put guys on waivers. They just said, all right, take the contracts off of our hands. So they did that with guys they had traded for. But they also did it with Matt Moore, who was a free agent signing from last year. 
into this season. He gets selected by Cleveland. So Cleveland just picks him up off the scrap heap, even though he was certainly not worthy of being released in theory. It was just merely, hey, the Angels don't want to pay him anymore. They're letting this guy go. He barely pitches in Cleveland, and then they release him because they're like, we're not going anywhere. And then the Marlins pick him up, and he pitched well for the Marlins, but because he was picked up after September 1st, he wasn't eligible to be in the postseason. So Moore actually never pitched for the Marlins. But overall, he had a really good year bouncing around baseball. Uh, That's the kind of signing I would make. Maybe it takes another one-year contract. Maybe you got to give him a second. But now I got two lefties in my bullpen, guys who I just don't have to set up against left-handers. He is now looking like he has established himself as a reliable major league relief pitcher, which is tough to do. Uh, That would be one of my priorities in free agency. I'd sign Matt Moore to a nice two-year, $15 million deal. Okay. If, because I like that. I I actually love that, 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 that deal. But if for some reason, okay, so these are the three left-handers that I'm looking at right now in the bullpen besides um, Rayleigh. If it's not Hader, I love more. If it's not more, there's one other on that list. And he's got that tie to counsel. It's, it's, it's Brent Sutter. Oh, yeah. That's another one, yeah. Is that someone that you would – would you? I don't remember how his numbers ended up with. But, again, a, a former starter turned bullpen guy – had had some decent moments with the Brewers. Would you be looking at him if if the if the Mets miss on Matt Moore? Because he may now that he's been established, he may be one of the more expensive arms to the lefty. Yeah, I mean Brent Sutter has been over the last couple of years with the Brewers, like you mentioned this past year with Colorado, has been one of those reliable relievers. He stays healthy. He can give you innings. He can give you multiple innings. So yeah. There's actually, it's it's weird, there's actually a bunch of left-handed relievers in free agency this year that I'm intrigued by, almost more than others. And Sutter's one of those other guys who's also a reverse split guy, so he's not a lefty specialist. The other guy I'll bring up is a guy who really can get lefties out, and that is old friend. Not old friend, we just know about him a lot because he pitches for the Yankees, Wandy Peralta. Wandy has been a very reliable reliever over the last few years with the Yankees, and he too is a free agent. He is 32 years old. He has spent the last three years with the Yankees after Brian Cashman made a great, made a great trade to get him. As much as we all kill Cashman, it was Mike Tockman for Wandy Peralta, which was a pretty keen deal. And he's been a very consistently good reliever for the Yankees over the last two and a half seasons. That's another lefty I would take a look at. One lefty I would not take a look at is Aroldis Chapman, who's also about to be a free agent. He is wild, man. You know, watch him in this postseason. He's not hes not even in Bochy's circle of trust. You know, he's there. He's around. He has given him some opportunities out of the bullpen. But for the most part, you can see Boch saying, I'm just trying to get to LeClerc. I'm just trying to get right to him. I ain't messing around with the role this Chapman. Uh, Phil Maton of the Houston Astros, who we saw have some de- decent moment in game seven, was the one who actually got out of that first inning. Is a decent right-hander to take a look at. And this is a complete project. But I thought Drew Pomeranz a few years ago looked so effing good out of the bullpen. The problem is he has not pitched in three years. Three years. Drew Pomeranz basically hasn't pitched. So if you sign him, you have to kind of know going in, yeah. This well, wasn't, that a, wasn't that the whole thing when he – because he was originally a Colorado Rocky, right? That's where he developed as a starting uh, pitcher? 
I kind of remember him in Oakland for some reason. If that was well, his... he, he, he was in Oakland. Too, no, you're right. I... It was Colorado, then it was Oakland, then it was but Boston I, or something. Yeah. But I think the main thing of why he never really developed was because he was trying to be a starter pitcher and he could stay healthy. So that's kind of back to the norm now. Yeah. Yeah. No, he he got converted to the bullpen in like thirteen, uh, nineteen, like four years ago, and he pitched amazingly well for San Diego just great after he was good with the Brewers, but he hasn't pitched in two years. So it's one of those things where if you sign him, you kind of know going in. So those are some of the free agents that are out there trade-wise. We've been connected to David Bednar a lot over the last few years. My concern with Bednar, not his pitching. He's 29 years old. He's under team control until 2027. So obviously that's not a problem. He had a great year last year for Pittsburgh, was an all-star, led the league in saves, had a two ERA. He was great the year before, the great year before that. David Bednar has proven to be one of the more reliable late-inning relief pitchers in all of baseball. Here's what this comes down to. Number one with the Pittsburgh Pirates trade him. This guy is from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. You know, if you're the Pirates and you got a hometown guy and he's a dominant closer, why are you trading him? I mean, look look around baseball. You're the Arizona Diamondbacks. You win 84 games. You sneak into the playoffs. You're in the freaking World Series. The Pirates should have that goal every single year. That That's what Rob Manfred wanted with this playoff format, and that's what the Pirates should want. So number one, A, the Pirates going to trade him. Number two, let's say they decide, you know what? We're not a serious baseball franchise, which they're not. We're going to trade David Bednar. Let's all ask ourselves a question. The Mets now have this quote-unquote loaded farm system. Mets acquired a lot of prospects over the last year. Are you prepared to trade top prospects because that's what it's going to take to get a relief pitcher? That's what scares me. You know, it's one thing to spend a lot of money on a relief pitcher. It's one thing to say spend $18 million a year on Josh Hader. It's one thing to take a risk on a Matt Moore or sign, you know, Will Smith, who seems to be a good luck charm. He goes to the playoffs and World Series every single year. But to trade for David Bednar is going to be a heavy cost. And that I'm scared of. You know, the trade market is a weird marketplace for the Mets because unless you're trading major league players for other major league players, are we really interested in trading young prospects with star potential for a relief pitcher. So I ask you that, Pete, because I'm not. Maybe you are. Well, what do you consider, like, is Vientos somebody that's no. a... No. You wouldn't trade him? No, I not would. Considered... I would. I'm saying that's not getting it done. Oh. What I'm saying is <laughs> the Pirates are going to look at the top 100 list of prospects in Major League Baseball, and they're going to see a bunch of names now on that list, and they're going to say, we want Jet Williams. The Mets are going to say no. They're going to say, we want Luis Angel Acuna. The Mets are going to say no. We're going to want Drew Gilbert, who they got in the Verlander trade. The Mets are going to say no. But that's what the Pirates are going to ask for. And I'm not willing to give that kind of prospect up for a relief pitcher in David Bednar. Well, we said that with Edward Diaz. I mean, I mean I, no, I'm, I'm, being, I'm being serious. We all got pissed because it wasn't the fact that you spent the money and you bought Robinson Cano's contract. It's because you gave up Jared Kelnick on top of that. that but, but is that your off. argument to then do it again? Yeah. Nah. If, 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 you're, if you're telling me right now that we can have one of the better bullpen arms in the league, and how long of a control does he have? 
Until 2027, like you have him for a bunch of years. That definitely is appealing. Yeah, I, I, I I would do that because we look at prospects and say we want them to turn out to be professionals. We compare Acuna to his brother and hopefully could turn out that. But we don't know. Bednar is proven that he's great. Yeah, but that attitude with prospects would lead you to always trade them. Because, yeah, you're right. They're they're lottery tickets. You don't know. And I, I fully understand that. There are certain guys that's worth the risk with. I just don't know if I'm there with relief pitching, especially when you look around baseball and you look at the teams that have had success. They find relief pitchers everywhere. I mean, the Arizona Diamondbacks are hilarious to me. The Arizona Diamondbacks in Game 7, against the the mighty Philadelphia Phillies, used Joe Mantiply, who, by the way, <laughs> has not been good, but he used him. Ryan Thompson. Ryan Thompson was released by the Rays. Ryan Thompson could have been picked up by anybody. Ryan Thompson had a six ERA and a playoff team said, get off my roster. And the Diamondbacks picked him up, and all of a sudden, He's in the freaking circle of trust getting four huge outs against the Phillies in the postseason in game seven. They used Andrew Southfrank, who wasn't even in the major leagues until September. We mentioned Kevin Ginkle, who maybe his bender isn't as comparable to Drew Smith, but his track record is. And then Paul Seawald, who they acquired at the deadline. Like, that, that is... That's the bullpen of the def- of the defending of the new National League champions. And, and even the Phillies, the Phillies go to Jeff Hoff. Jeff Hoffman is one of their more reliable relievers. Matt Strom is one of their more reliable relievers. And the one they acquired during the offseason that we were all jealous of was Gregory Soto, who sucks, <laughs> who they would never use. So. <laughs> That's my fear, that, and that's a legitimate fear. I'm not afraid of trading players for other players. It's not like I'm afraid of all trades, but I must admit, even though the Edwin Diaz thing, yes, has worked out, I am definitely afraid of trading big-time prospects for a relief pitcher. That's, that's a concern I'd have. You still have the nightmares off of J.J. Putz. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, I am. They <laughs> traded Joe Smith in that trade, man. Joe would have been great for a bunch of years. <laughs> a couple of potential trade targets besides Bednar. Look in the National League East itself with the Washington Nationals. Kyle Finnegan had a pretty good season this year, saving almost 30 games for the Nats. Hunter Harvey looked really, really good at times pitching for the Nats. I don't know where the Nationals are in terms of seriousness to competing. They do have some good young arms in their rotation, Josiah Gray, Mackenzie Gore, guys like that. But I think those kinds of relievers can be had. And if they could be had at a reasonable cost, we're not going to get them for free, but getting them at a reasonable cost, that's not a bad reliever or two to kind of throw into the fray of the bullpen that we mentioned that to me features Diaz, Rayleigh, Adovino, two guys from the group that we saw last year, and then three acquisitions, David Robertson, Matt Moore, and a third guy. And if you do that, at least on paper, I'd feel good about that bullpen. Imagine I get what I want. Robertson, Moore, and let's say they trade for Hunter Harvey. I'll throw a trade in there. And all of a sudden, you got a bullpen that features Diaz closing, Robertson, Moore, Rayleigh, Adovino. 
trying to get that baseball to him, Hunter Harvey, Drew Smith. It's not a, it's not a terrible bullpen. At least on paper, I feel like I build some confidence. I mean, not for nothing, but Hunter Harvey's much better than I think people realize. His biggest issue has been the injuries. That's been it. I mean, yep. besides that, he has been – his numbers in Baltimore and Washington are pretty good. One guy that I do like, trade potential, but I just don't think it's going to happen. Again, going back to Milwaukee, you know, with the ties there, Devin Williams, any possible way? He's got two years arbitration, no. 24 and 25. But you run into the same you run into the same problem as David Bednar. If the Brewers not, not decided, bad, no, Devin Williams is fantastic. I'm not. I'm not. Trust me. I'm not saying I don't want him. I'm saying you got to keep in mind what that price is. That is going to be an expensive, expensive, expensive ticket to buy. Yeah, but if they're looking to, uh, if if certain guys aren't looking to come back, like Burns is 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 frustrated with them, right? And he's not coming back. And they need to trade him. You package him and a guy like Devin Williams. You would you would put together a nice package for those two, no? No, I I mean you're gonna have to. <laughs> like if if the Brewers decide to blood, I I also am very skeptical that the Brewers would be interested in making any <laughs> kind of trade with the Mets because the owner. I know Matt Arnold and David Stearns have a relationship, so a part of you says, oh, that makes sense that Stearns and the Brewers would make deals. And maybe on the low-level deal, you're right, but when it comes to dumping Corbin Burns and Devin Williams, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know if the Mets are going to really be set up for that. By the way, another guy in this postseason that has just jumped out of me is obnoxious. Not Nothing against the guy, but Josh Spores who comes in a pitch basically every day for the Texas Rangers. The guy had a five and a half ERA this year. The guy had a six, four ERA the year before that, but yet so far in the playoffs, he's pitched eight and two thirds innings and has allowed one run and he's appeared in eight games. And the Nash and the Texas Rangers have played 12 games. They have played 12 postseason games and Josh Boers has come in on eight of them. He's ahead of Chapman in the circle of trust. So while we talk about all the guys they should target, it is so infuriating to see this because it's a reminder that if the Mets are going to have success next year, if we're sitting here talking about playoff baseball, there's going to have to be a reliever or two or three that we don't even have on our radar that they develop into their Josh Spores or a guy you pick up off the scrap heap like the Diamondbacks did with Ryan Thompson. That's the key to bullpens. So these big names are fun, and they're interesting, and you brought up some of the big closers they should trade for. Bottom line is, you're going to have to develop some guys out of absolute nowhere. I'm going to throw a name out there, and it's a totally different reference, but in hockey, one guy used to float around on playoff teams every single year. Used to get traded at the deadline. Essa Tikkanen. Yes, used to would used to make you know just find the, now. Listen, I'm not saying that the, this guy in the Rangers is that that type of guy, but didn't perform well in the regular season. But all of a sudden, playoffs he steps up, and that's the type of guy you need need to find. Absolutely, Will Smith, bring him in. He's a World Series lucky guy for whatever <laughs> reason. Uh, you can email the pod with thoughts to Rico B at gmail dot com. The Rico B at gmail dot com. I'm rooting for the Diamondbacks. I think we all are right because we don't want to see Max get a ring. I think the Diamondbacks, rooting for the Diamondbacks is easy, and it's not offensive. It's not an appealing World Series. I'd be the first to admit it. We don't have that raging interest that we would have had if the Phillies were in it. But whatever. I'm still happy. (laughs) I'm still happy the (laughs) Phillies are dead. That's what really matters. 
Thank you for listening and downloading another edition of Rico Broda. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronya podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times.